And God told the Israelites that when the manna comes, they should be prepared. The, the worst thing that can happen to you is that when the manna falls from heaven, that you miss it. You miss your portion in it. Begin to open your mouth and ask God that, Lord, whatever my portion is in this word, may I not miss it. Let's begin to open our mouths and pray. Let's begin to open our mouths. Speak to God in your own way. That as the word of God is coming, your portion in it, you will not miss it. Let us have all of our eyes closed. Let's be serious. Jesus Christ is in here. And the word cannot return to him void unless it fulfills its assignment on earth. Therefore, there is a portion for you. There is a portion for me. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to us. It's not me that's going to preach to you. The Holy Spirit himself is here to speak to each and every one of us according to where we are in our lives. It is up to you as the individual to open your heart and your mind and your spirit. Do not see the person standing here, but see the Spirit of God speaking to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that, Lord, you will do something marvelous, O Lord. Speak to us, O Lord. It is this word that causes all things to come into existence. It is this word that when we lean on it, O Lord, we have a revelation and a deeper intimacy with you. That is why we are here, O God. Father, may I get my portion in the word. May I not leave here empty. May I not leave here just excited and aroused. Lord, but may your spirit divine speak to me. May I eat of the manna of heaven. May I eat of the manna of heaven. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For the past two weeks, we've been speaking on the topic of the word of God. Our elder has been taking us through some very good teachings about the word of God. And I'm not going to deviate from what he's been teaching us. It's the same thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to understand. But one thing I want us to understand, first and foremost, is that we've been talking about Joshua. The book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 8, 5 to 9. And we've also been focusing on the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. And one thing I want all of us to understand is that we are not different than Joshua. Joshua was a leader. He was somebody who was instructed by God to lead the people of Israel after Moses died. And each and every one of us have that same mandate. We are all called by God to steward over something on earth. You are a steward over something on earth. In every area of life, there is a place where God wants you to be in order for you to steward over something he has entrusted into your care. But the only way you will be successful in this stewardship is by the thing that our presiding elders making us do. Memorize scriptures, learn the word of God, understand the word of God, let the word of God sink into your heart. Because the only way you will be victorious in the battles of everyday life is if you have this word hidden in your heart. Amen. Amen. I want us to understand that Joshua was not different than any one of us. He was a young man who was studying under the feet of Moses, the man that spoke face to face with God. And here he is after Moses dies and there is this big assignment that falls on his lap. Big shoes. Yeah, big shoes for him to fill in. And he's being instructed by God to be courageous and be strong. He was a man that was called to lead armies, to fight different nations in order to overtake a land that God had given to him as an inheritance. 
But it seems to be so funny to me that God never tells Joshua to sharpen your armor, get the best shields, get the best swords, get the best armor. What did he tell him? He said, do not let this word depart from your lips. Do not let this word depart from your mind. Joshua's victory in his everyday affairs and our victory in our everyday affairs comes from our allegiance to the word of God. What did I say? Your victory in your everyday life comes from your allegiance to the word of God. I'm going to say it again. Your victory in your everyday life, day-to-day -day affairs of life, the struggles that you face in your finances, in your marriage, in your education, in your social life, in all your relationships and friendships, comes from your allegiance to the word of God. What does allegiance mean? We are talking about Joshua. We are talking about people in the Bible who were able to overcome obstacles in life. We see that Joshua was a man who was, he, was he, he pledged allegiance to the word of God. And when we talk about allegiance, it's a combination of two things. Your allegiance to God is measured in the accurate knowledge in, of, and your faith in the word of God. It's a combination of two things. Your accurate knowledge of the word of God and your faith in the word of God. What is it? Your accurate knowledge what? Of the word of God and your faith in the word of God. You see, everybody professes to know God. Even the atheist thinks he knows God. Our presiding elders described somebody who claims that God is not real because of something that he thought he knew. So everybody thinks that everybody professes to know God. Every man on the earth thinks they know God. But not every knowledge of God is correct. Amen. It is not every knowledge that is correct. That's the reason why it is important to have accurate knowledge. Truth is literally defined as original knowledge. In order for you to have victory over the affairs of life, you must have correct knowledge of God. You must have correct understanding of this God and his nature. And you must have what? Faith in his word. And when I'm talking about faith, you know, when we talk about faith, the, the number one scripture we refer to is what? Hebrews 11. The hope, the belief. But I'm pushing you a, a further level. You see, in order for you to have victory over everyday life, it, it, it takes a deeper level of faith. It is not just a faith that is a concept in your mind or a belief system that you carry around, but it moves deeper than that. Faith is the name given to the action that you take based on your personal convictions of God and the truth of his character. I hope everybody understands what I'm saying. Your faith in God is described as, is the name given to the action that you as the believer take based on your personal convictions of who you believe God to be. And the nature, the true nature of his character. That is the definition of faith. It is not just a belief, it's not just a belief system that you carry in your mind as, you, as you're going through life. It is an action that you take based on your personal convictions of God and the truth of his nature and his character. And if you study the Bible, this is the, this is the, these two things that I'm putting emphasis on are the very things that Jesus Christ used to build the church. Two things, your personal conviction about who you believe God to be and the character, the truth about who his character is. Let us open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 and let's see something new. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. I want, to, I want to draw attention to something very profound that happened in the Bible. I said that Jesus Christ built the church and the church will be established based on the personal convictions of who we believe Jesus Christ to be and the truth of his nature. It says that now, when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked the disciples, 
Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus has been walking with his disciples for years now. And now he's taking them to an isolated place and asking them, who do people say I am? And let us see the answer. And they answer, some say you are John the Baptist, others say you are Elijah. Some say you are Jeremiah. And just like one of the prophets, you see, when people ask you, who does other case say God is? We have a whole bunch of answers. Who does my mom say God is? We have a whole bunch of answers. Who does other Kofi say God is? We have a whole bunch of answers. Who does T.D. Jake say God is? We have a whole bunch of answers. But Jesus was looking for something deeper than that. He wasn't just looking for what the majority of people say God is. He was not looking about what our teachers told us about God or what our Sunday school teachers told us about God. But he was looking for something deeper. What did he say? He said to them, okay, this is what everybody else is saying. But then he says, but who do you say that I am? This is the beginning of your Christian walk. Amen. Amen. This is the beginning of your Christian walk. He says, who do men say I am? They had a whole bunch of answers. Now he's asking, who do you say I am? And the whole room became quiet. You see, we tend to know so much about what everybody else is saying about God. We tend to have all these ideologies based on what we've heard from preachers and heard from men and heard from people in our families. But Jesus Christ, the only way your church will be built, the only way you as a Christian in your faith and in your, 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 your stance in Christ will be built is if it becomes personal for you. He says, who do you say I am? And Peter spoke. He said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Continue. Then Jesus answered, blessed, happy, and spiritually secure, favored by God, are you Simon Peter, son of Jonah? Because flesh and blood, mortal man has not revealed this to you, but the father who is in heaven. Amen. I want to draw emphasis to something. It says spiritually secure are you who know Christ for who he really is based on personal conviction. Equipped are you person who knows Christ based on a personal revelation that doesn't come from what you heard just at church. But something that you gained from a revelation that you found in your own quiet time face to face with the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Spiritually secure are you. We are talking about victories in everyday life. We're not talking about just salvation. You can be saved, but you'll be, you, 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 you'll be struggling in life before you die and make it to heaven. Why? Because there's a difference between just being saved and having victory over everyday life. There are two different things. Lazarus went to heaven, but he was poor. We need to understand that in order for us to have everyday victory, there is something that we must carry. There is something that we must understand. He says, spiritually secure are you. Who what? Have a personal understanding of who God is. We need to have a, 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 a everyday walk with God. It needs to become more practical than just being in church every day. In order for you to have everyday victory over the affairs of life, it is based on your faith in God. And I already expressed that your faith in God is not just something that you believe in your mind, but it is the action that you take based on your personal conviction of who you believe God to be and the truth of his nature. In order for us to express this what? This, this faith in our everyday lives, there needs to be a personal conviction that we must have of God. You know, over the quarantine, you know, I spoke with a lot of people and I, I, I tend to hear the same thing coming out of everybody's mouth, most, most people. And there's a statement that people say that I'm losing faith. My faith is dying out. I'm becoming worried. You see, there's a child that is born 
into a household where both of his parents are Christian. They both go to church. And ever since he's born, or ever since she is born, all their parents tell them is that everything that you are, everything you ever will be, everything you will ever achieve in life is because of this God. Whatever that means, I don't know. But that's what they tell their child. And they grow up in this system of things where they go to church every Sunday. And they're just going through the flow. Even worse for them if their parents happen to hold some type of significant position in the church. Because not only will they be there Sunday, but they'll be there Wednesday, and they'll be there Friday. And they're going through the motions of everything. Do they really have a clear understanding of what they're doing? Not really, but they're going through this flow, this system that has been thrown at them since their childhood. And this is all that they know. Their parents are pushing this information into their head that there is this God somewhere. And everybody that surrounds them, their uncles, their aunties, all go to this church. So they have no reason to doubt whether this thing is real or not. Everything that they need is being handed to them. So they have no reason to really question and ask themselves, is this God thing even for real? So of course they have faith. Of course they believe in God. There's no question about it. They are grown up in this system. And even worse for them, if they happen to have this significant gift that is spotted in them, whether it's being an usher, whether it's being able to sing, whether it's being able to memorize 10 scriptures, whether it's being able to play an instrument in the church. Because not only are they confused about what they're really doing, but now there's been a position given to them, handed to them. So now they can use that as a cover-up, as a defense mechanism to hide behind it, and they call that faith. And this child is growing up, and when they get to high school and college, then life starts changing because their bodies start to change, their hormones start changing, their friends start to change, they're now exposed to an environment where there are people who are telling them that this God thing is not real. They have friends, their closest friends are even people who argue with them and tell them that this God thing ain't real. They're exposed to all types of walks of life. They're exposed to people who are committed equally or even more to a complete opposite religion. And also they start facing different things in their life. Anxiety, depression, addictions start coming in their life. Struggles start coming in their life. And by that point, they start making statements like, I'm losing my faith. The truth is that you never have faith. It was a system that you were a part of. And therefore, you never had a reason to question it. But now that you are out in the world, now that you are out in an environment where you are exposed, your foundation is being exposed. The sinking sand foundation that you have put your hope in is being exposed. Don't say that you're losing your faith. You never had faith to begin with. And this is the definition of the everyday Christian in 2020. We are not spiritual. We are not spirit-led people. We are churchy. We are churchy. Many will say that just because I can't memorize scriptures does not mean I don't have faith in God. Open the Bible to Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Let's look at it. Quick, please. They will say that just because I can't seem to memorize scriptures, other okay, doesn't necessarily mean I don't have faith in God. Just because I don't know everything in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean I don't have faith in God. What does it say? Let's read it together. One, two. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Guys, we are Christians. If the atheist walks in here and sees that we can't even read scriptures with faith, they will discredit us. So if you're going to read the scriptures, let's read it with enthusiasm. One, two. So faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing what? What is told. Continue. And what is heard by the preaching of the message concerning Christ. Your faith... Take it to the New King James Version, please. 
Let's read it together. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is a byproduct of what? Your knowledge of the word of God. If you don't have the knowledge of the word of God in your heart, your faith is paper. If the word of God isn't something that is in you and living in you, it is paper. Your faith is not demonstrated in your ability to recite 10 scriptures on children's day. Your faith is not shown in your ability to sing when you're asked to do opening prayers. Those things are paper. Your faith is tested when you are placed in the world, on the streets. And there is a dead man laying in front of you and everybody's panicking. And you are feeling the inclination in your spirit to lay hands on him, but something is telling you that it may not work. And then you are called to revert back to the word of God that you've been told. That it says that if the same spirit that, that raised Christ lives in me, then by that same power, he will quicken my mortal body. Now, if he has the power to quicken my mortal, my mortal body, and this spirit lives in me, then I can transfer it to a person that is dead. That's what you call faith. Amen? I hope we are listening to the message. Your faith doesn't mean anything when you're in the church and you're called to do worship and you can do it so eloquently and people say good job after you're done. That's, that, that, that's nothing. Your faith is when you are in the world and your friends are pressuring you to do something that you know scripture says is not true. Then you are faced with the option, will I do it or not? That is your faith. Your faith is seen in your ability to transfer the word of God that is being preached to you here every Sunday into your everyday walk out there. That's what you call faith. It's not the little things that we do here on Sundays. This is the gym where you work out. This is the gym where you prepare yourself. But you don't stay here. How many of us sleep in the gym? None of us. This is the hospital. As soon as you get checked and you're well, you are sent out for the next other people to come in and get their fix. You can't stay there forever. And that is our problem. We are churchy. We like spiritual things. We like when the atmosphere is set right and our emotions are triggered and we start crying and we start rolling. We love that. We love when the song is so soothing, it touches our hearts and we get goosebumps. And we say, yes, the Holy Spirit is here. He's not here. It's just a feeling. Your faith pushes you to a deeper level of Christ. How far are you in Christ? Your faith is when you are pushed to a level where circumstances of life are pushing at you. Then you revert back to the word of God. You see, the reason why Joshua was so successful was because he understood how Moses was able to lead these stubborn people. And his only victory was because of his reliance and his allegiance to the word of God. I'm telling you, that's the only way you will make it. Let's open our Bibles to Joshua chapter 5. Chapter 1 verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Continue. Be strong and of good courage, for the people shall be divided as an inheritance. The land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. This is a promise of God. And many times when we read the promises of God or we hear the promises of God, and it seems to not be working in our lives, we, we tend to ask ourselves, yo, where is God? Is this stuff even for real? But the word of God is filled with promises. It's filled with guarantees. 
but the guarantee manifesting in your life is contingent on your allegiance to that word. Your faith in that word is what will make you understand that if I go outside of this word, I'm defeated. It is your faith in that word that keeps you closer to God. And as I said, your faith is the action that you take. Faith is not just about belief system. The Bible says that faith without works is what? Is dead. Your faith is not just up here. What's up here is supposed to manifest in your everyday actions. So we must understand that faith pushes into action. Faith is about action. Tell the person next to you that faith is action. Faith is action. Get in. Tap it, tap it, tap it. Faith is action. If you're sleeping, how would you have the word? How would the word enter your heart? If you're not paying attention to the word of God, how will it enter your heart? If all you're doing is coming to church casually every Sunday and you're not taking anything from it, you're not manifesting anything in your everyday lives, how can you say you have faith in God? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And without action, works, faith is dead. So we must understand that the faith of the faith that we have in God is supposed to be manifested in our everyday actions. You see, he said that no man will be able to stand before you, Joshua. As long as you are, as long as you hold your allegiance to my word, as long as you obey what I say, as long as you follow the instructions that I'm giving to you and continue to not let this word this word depart from your mouth or your mind, you will continue to be able to what? Stand before your enemies. Many of us cannot stand before our enemies. We cannot stand before our addictions. We cannot face our addictions. We cannot face our past because we are not. Uh, we don't. We don't. Ex we don't. We, we don't. We don't show our allegiance to God. If you are not bound before God, you cannot stand before men. If you are not expressing your allegiance to God in your everyday life, you cannot stand before that that addiction that you're trying to overcome. You cannot stand. Or you cannot stand before that that weakness that you've been dealing with all these years. You cannot. You cannot face your past. You will continue to let your past define you and keep you in this box. Because you are not what? Being, you, you're not showing your allegiance to God. So we must move to the next level in our faith. Where we, where we move into action. That is what God is calling us in, in this dispensation. It is no more just about being churchy. It's no more just about showing up. It's about moving to that next level. Where you can allow the Holy Spirit himself to touch your heart. With his word. Not just when, when you come to church and we're praying and you feel empowered and then you go back and you slip again. The word of God has the power. We learn that the word of God is not powerful. It is what? It is power. So when that power is living in you, really truly living in you, your desire for certain things are gone. Your hope in certain things are gone. Your desire for certain things are shifted and they are switched. Your faith in God increases. The only way your faith in God will increase is when the word of God is abundant in your heart. There will be times in your life where you won't even have the strength to pray. There will be times in your life where you will go through certain situations that it will push you to the ground and you won't have any hope. At that moment, it is the investments that you have made in your faith that will what? push forward to be a defense mechanism against Satan in your life. It is those things we call something prayer bank. You pray and you pray in addition for times where you won't be able to pray again. And this is the time where we have to fill our prayer bank. This is the time where we have to embody, we have to invest our faith in the things of God. This is the time for us, church. It's not time for us to be sleeping. 
It's not the time for us to just be going to church casually. It is time for us to be able to rise up and exhibit our faith in the world. The world is dependent on us to exhibit our faith. That is the only way things will change in our families, in our lives, in our world, is if the Christians exhibit their faith, not just as a belief system, but as a practical action in everyday life. Amen. Let us get to Ephesians chapter 6 and let us see something. Let us get to Ephesians chapter 6 and let us see something. Chapter 6 verses 10. Yeah, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Go to the Amplified Version. Let me see something quick. There's something that the Amplified Version says that I love so much. It says, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him. Be empowered through your union with him. Listen to the words that the Bible is using. Your empowerment comes from your union with Christ. And who is Christ according to John chapter 1? The word of God. So your, un your union with Christ gives you strength. And what does it say? And in the power of his boundless might. Then the eleven will come. Put on the full armor of God. So you see when you have this union with Christ. You are, you are getting strength. After you get this strength. You are, you are sent to do something. So you are strengthened by God. Through the union that you have with his word. And then you are sent out to use it in faith. And make an action. But what we do many of times is that we want to make an action and the action is not working. But we never ask ourselves, why is that action not working? Why is it hard for me to come to church? Why is it hard for me to pray? Why is it hard for me to fast? Why is it hard for me to do these things? It's because we have not what? You become a union with Christ and his word. So the strength that is in his word that's supposed to be living in us is not there. Because the word that we're supposed to draw the strength from, we haven't been drawn the strength from it. We've been rather drawn strength from other things that are actually making us stronger in the flesh and weaker in the spirit. So he's saying what? Draw strength from your union with Christ. Put on the full armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wills of the, of the devil. Continue. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against ideologies that fight against the truth of God. Against mentalities that fight against the truth of God. Against religious principalities that we are so accustomed to. Against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You see, everything that you need for daily victory has been provided for you. He's saying what? Put on the armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the enemy in the evil day. There is an evil day coming for each and every one of us where we will be required to revert back to the word of God in order to face the, 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 the wickedness in our life. Continue. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put the breastplate of righteousness. See, the Bible also says in, Timothy, in, in Peter, it says that gird the loins of your mind. Be sober. And what? Rest fully on the grace that comes and that is brought to you by the revelation of the word of God. That is such a profound statement. It says, gird your mind. Gird the loins of your mind. The same place where the waist belt of truth is. It's saying, guard your mind where the truth is supposed to be. 
and be sober-minded. Some of us think sober-minded means don't drink. Yes, it means don't drink, but it goes beyond that. Some of us have never drinking, but we are more drunk than even the alcoholic. Because we are not aware of the reality of the second coming of Christ. We are not aware of the, the principalities and the warfare that we are fighting on earth. We are not even aware about what is going on. We think that we are neutral. We think that, oh, as for me, I am not part of the war. As long as you are a Christian, you are part of this war. Whether you like it or not, it's better to be armed and educated than to be ignorant and vulnerable. And that's what this word is doing for us. It says, guard your mind with what? Truth. And it says, rest. Rest. When you guard your mind with truth, when you guard your heart and your mind and your spirit with the truth of God, then you can rest on what? The grace of God that comes to you at the revelation. So there is a grace. And grace is not just something that you, you lean on when you sin. Grace is what? Enablement. What did I say? Grace is what? Grace is what? It is enablement. It is the ability to be like Christ. Don't mistake in grace for something that you, you run to when you sin. It's not that. That's mercy. Grace is the enablement so that you don't repeat the same mistake. That's what grace is. So it says that when you rest on this enablement, it comes at the revelation. The enablement gives you a revelation of who Christ is. And Christ is what? The word of God. That's one sentence. Look at the revelation in it. So the Bible is full of so much fruit and, and honey that will become such a strength for you in times of weakness if you read it. If you read it. It's a condition. It's not force. You can't download it into your mind. You must read it. You must meditate on it. Then it itself will work for you. So it says what? Well, put on the whole armor of God. It's, it's, it, it, put it, it puts the, 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 the responsibility back on you as an individual. It says that he has done everything that he needs to do. Now it's up to you to put it on. Whether you put it on or not, that's your own business. But he is admonishing us. Paul is admonishing us that what? We should put this armor on because the evil day is coming. For some of us, the evil day has already come. And we don't even know. But he's saying, put it on. And what? Let the breastplate of righteousness cover your chest. Let the truth cover your what? Your waist. Put the helmet of salvation. And what? The sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. That you may be able to block all the schemes and the arrows and the dots of the enemy. Now tell me something. If you don't have the shield of faith, which is only produced by the word of God, then what do you have? When the, when the dots are being thrown. When he's, saying, when he's throwing insecurity and anxiety and depression at you, what do you have? When he's throwing lust and sexual immorality at you, what do you have? What do you, what do you really have to defend yourself? That's the question. We have to ask ourselves these questions. If you are not in the word of God, if you are not produced, if your faith is not being produced by your constant reading of the word of God, when the enemy is throwing dots at you, at your family, throwing, throwing dots at your parents' marriage, throwing dots at your education, making you think you are a failure, making you feel like you want to, making you lose your motivation in school, you want to drop out. When he's throwing all those dots, offenses, all those things at you, when he's targeting all your finances and everything, what do you have? Church? Church, it's not enough. There needs to be the shield of faith. And the faith is only produced by the word of God. Our eternity depends on this book, which many of us have never opened and actually read for ourselves. Our eternity, our victory, and our, and our daily overcoming over the devices of the enemy depends on a book 
that most of us haven't even read. That's scary. So to this morning, God is calling us to a deeper level of himself. He's calling us into a deeper intimacy with him. And in order for us to walk in victory, I'm telling you, you need to, to exhibit your, your most holy faith. And I'm telling you, it's not just about what you believe in your mind. It's not, it's not just about, yeah, I, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. I explain to you the status quo of most of us Christians. But we need to move to a deeper level. I'm telling you, that's the only way we'll be able to overcome in your personal life. You can come to church in front, but I'm telling you, one day you'll be exposed. The word of God is our only hope in this life. Amen. I pray that as the word of God is coming, that you are taking something for yourself. There is a portion in, in the manner for you. There's a portion in this manner for me. So put your hope in this word. Do not put your hope in what men are saying. Do not put your hope in our leaders. Don't put your hope in your parents' faith, the prayers that they pray for you at 5 a.m. When you wake up and you hear them praying. That prayer is not, it can't sustain you forever. It's coming to a time where you have to go and do it yourself. Because you two have a family. What are you going to do when your kid comes up and tells you that, yo, he's, he's, he's married a man now? Your reasoning, your, your, your reasoning, trying to get them to understand, it's not going to do it. What are you going to do when, you come, when your, the police come to your front door and they have your son in handcuffs? Your reasoning, you're trying, to, you're trying to sit down with your kid and explain to him that, yo, this path is not going to help you, but he doesn't hear you. We will all get to that point in life. You don't want to be like one of these women down on the prayer line at 5 a.m. when their husbands are sleeping. You want to have a faith for yourself. You want to have a foundation built, not on sand, but on the word of God. You don't want to be like one of these people who are struggling in their marriage. It all comes from the investment, the prayer bank that we have now. Now is the time. Now is the time. Amen. Now is the time. It's not about the stuff that we do here. The stuff that we do here is 2%. The, 90, the 98% is contingent on what you do at home. What you do when you hit the streets, when you hit the workplace, when you hit the schools. That is the most important thing. Amen. That is what your faith is tested. Amen. Shall we rise on our feet? Shall we rise on our feet? Shall we rise on our feet?